Broken trust can be healed, but it's not just time that's going to heal it. You need clear guidance about what to do and what not to do. I'm Jeff Stewart, licensed marriage and family therapist, and I've developed a free video course called The First Steps to Rebuilding Trust. This course will show you what's needed to begin healing after betrayal. I offer guidance for the betrayed partner as well as the partner who broke the trust. You can access it for free right now by clicking the link in the show notes. I'm excited to have the second part of my interview with Dr. Julie Deazavito Hanks. And we're actually going to switch topics today. But real quickly, let me introduce you to her if you haven't listened to the previous episode. Dr. Hanks is a, a licensed clinical social worker. She's also a assistant professor at Utah Valley University and the author of a couple of really great books, The Burnout Cure and The Assertiveness Guide for Women. And she's the founder and director of Wasatch Family Therapy and has almost 30 years of experience in helping women with their emotional health and their relationships. She's just a a great uh, therapist and coach and contributor. She's very active on social media and she's also an award-winning songwriter. And so lots of ways that she's inspiring and uplifting and supporting people out there. And uh, just so grateful she's willing to come join me on the Illuminate podcast and share her vast stores of wisdom. I just love talking to her about all these things. Today's topic is a little bit more specific than just boundaries or assertiveness. We specifically are talking about idealizing motherhood and how that can sometimes glorify self-neglecting women. There's a culture out there of sort of whoever can wear themselves out the most is the better mother. And Dr. Hanks has some great thoughts on how to get away from that and help women find balance and see that motherhood is a relationship, not just some role they're supposed to play out. And uh, I think this is a great episode for both men and women to listen to so that we can better support women who are uh, mothers and are caring for children and are trying to navigate all the different demands and pressures that they experience as they take on this new challenge in life. And there's so much that comes with it, becoming a mom. And, and whether you have a brand new mom or whether you're a grandmother or even a great grandmother, there's something here for, for all women and for the men who love and support them. So I'm excited to jump into this interview with Dr. Julie Hanks on the topic of idealizing motherhood and glorifying self-neglect. So tune in. I hope you enjoy it. Well, welcome back to the Illuminate podcast, Julie. It's good to have you back. Thank you so much, Jeff. In the last episode, again, if you haven't listened to it, listeners, go back and listen to the great discussion we had on assertiveness, especially when you're dealing with betrayal. As you'll see in our discussion that we're going to have today, this whole theme around showing up as yourself and knowing yourself and being assertive, it, it really is sort of a central theme to thriving as a healthy person, as a healthy woman in this case. And one thing that, Julia, that I've noticed with a lot of the women that I've worked with is that one of the first things to go after betrayal is self-care. And it's the thing that they need the most besides boundaries. And I mean, self-care is a boundary, right? But I mean, it's just, right. it's like this sense of like, I don't have time or I don't have the resources or you know, I'll put myself aside because I've got to save this marriage or I've got to protect my kids or I've got to, and has that been your experience as well? That when there's trauma, when there's something like women will put themselves way to the back of the line to focus on other people, other relationships. Yeah, I have seen that happen. I've also seen happen where they focus on one part of self-care, like physical self-care, like going to the gym all the time to try and lose weight, or, but it's not balanced self-care. Yeah. It's kind of one aspect, trying to use that to solve the bigger problem. But yes, in general, I think women often focus on taking care of other relationships before they put themselves underneath in terms of ranking 
underneath the needs of other people. On social media, sometime you shared this phrase that had really stuck out to me, which is part of why I wanted to talk about this with you today, is this idea that women culturally glorify self-neglect. And I never heard it phrased that way before. Can you say more about that? Yes. So there's kind of this, I don't know where it came from, but like the more women sacrifice, the more, the better the woman they are, the more they give, the more generous they are. And so there's kind of this going overboard for other people and not balancing the needs of the self. So it's kind of, it goes overboard. So then there's self-neglect. We tend to think of caring for others and caring for self as either or, when healthy development says it's and, it's I care for other people and I care for myself. And that tension is normal and healthy, and that's called differentiation of self, the ability to be a self within a relationship and care for the relationship as well. We need to balance those instead of just go, well, it's all about me or it's all about everybody else. Yeah, and I know a big part of the message that you're trying to share on your social media channels and your writing is to help women particularly understand that they don't have to choose one or the other, that they're not just being selfish if they take care of themselves, or they're not being this heroic superwoman if they're taking care of others, that like both of those need to coexist. Right. And how we balance that, negotiate that in our relationship, it's a skill and it takes practice. Yeah. So just as you've looked around and you think about examples of what glorifying self-neglect, what does that look like? How can we spot that in our culture? I think it is Oh, goodness. Having your life revolve around your children entirely. So neglecting adult relationships, neglecting physical health, getting your self-worth from the behavior or appearance of your family. Those are just some examples that come to mind. So focusing on the other people and their behavior and their performance as a way to feel okay about yourself and then neglecting your own interests, relationships, talents, and dreams. Yeah, that's really clear. And I, and that's easy to spot, right? There's just a lot of people, a lot of, it's understandable. There's a sense of a measurable accomplishment if I, at least in the culture of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints that we both come from, you know, there's a lot of emphasis on, you know, making sure all of my kids achieve these certain awards or status or missions or temple marriages or those kinds of things, or our family looks mm-hmm. a certain way, or we're all at church on Sunday, or and there can be a lot of self-neglect that goes on. And so you're saying that women essentially would do everything and consume all their resources to make it look a certain way, but they would disappear in the process. Right, exactly. And we see that, we hear that over the pulpit a lot, you know, oh, my mother never complained. Like, my, <laughs> it was like, uh, really? Did she not have a self? Like, right. everybody complains, like, that's right. normal. So we kind of hear these idealized versions of women and mothers in particular that kind of points to they have a self, which is very problematic. Yeah, it's this message that if there's women who complain and there's this special unicorn category of women that nobody's ever really met before, but they don't complain. (laughs) Right, right. And they don't ever buy anything for themselves. They sacrificed everything. It's like, no, don't sacrifice everything. Your kids don't need everything. Right. Who was that for? Right. Right. (laughs) Yeah. So there's a lot of these messages that are certainly meant to be complimentary or to be, you know, to maybe put women on a pedestal. But what you're saying is like, no, take down the pedestal. We don't need, that's harming more people to elevate some sort of fictional standard. 
Right. And that's the definition of idealizing that it's to portray as better than reality and to put on a pedestal. That's the definition of idealizing. When we idealize motherhood and womanhood, we're not dealing with the reality. And so I talk about the difference between idealizing motherhood and valuing motherhood, or and we could substitute womanhood in there as well. When you're valuing women's contributions, you're dealing with reality, with real people in real life. And you're saying the work you're doing matters and it's important. Yeah. And I, I, period. Yeah. I love that. Just to validate and acknowledge the struggle and the contributions and just let it be all of it instead of just polished version of it. Because I think I know in like the culturally, there's been lots of trends with this fifties. It was having shiny floors. And then there was the having your kids and everything and the soccer mom. And then there's all the pressure of being sexually wild in the bedroom, cosmopolitan, of course, and others emphasize that. And there's just lots of pressure on women to be a certain way. But ultimately, it's never about her or what's best for her. It's always about how something looks, how it is for someone else. And these kinds of pressures are everywhere for women. Yeah. And I talk a lot about the difference between a role and a relationship. And what you're talking about is a role. Like We get these messages about different roles that women need to play. They need to be the selfless mother. They need to be the, you know, look like the model on the fashion magazine. They need to be sexy, but not too sexy. They need to be sexy, modest. They need to be, (laughs) they need to, you know, know Uh. how to cook. They need to do. And so there are these different lists of role requirements that we put a lot on women. And then I like to contrast that with relationships. Think about women in relationships. That's a connection with other people. It's a connection with your spouse. It's a connection with your child. It's not about a pre-scripted, pre-planned, specific set of behaviors. And so I like, I think focusing on women and their relationships is so much healthier than focusing on, am I fitting this role, this specific role that's expected of me? And roles can come from the media. Roles can come from family systems. Roles can come from cultural expectations. Roles are assigned, right? They're just sort of placed on women in this case. And we could talk, we could have the same conversation about men, but we're talking about women today. Right. But, but they come attach themselves to women and they don't even sometimes realize that they're playing out a role. Right. And it's so freeing when you can shift and see like, it, this is about a relationship, not a list of things to do. In fact, I had a message from a mom last week that just said, shifting from thinking about motherhood as a role to shifting to a relationship, she said, it has totally freed up my emotional energy more present with my kids. Like just that shift has really helped. When you think about it and you think about relationships in terms of the gospel, that's what the gospel is about. It's about relationship with heavenly parents, with Christ, with each other, with our families. It's all about relationships. It's not about prescribed, scripted behaviors and actions. It's creating something with between people. Right. Between individuals who are unique Mm -hmm. and right singular. I love that. Well, as I'm listening to you talk about this, I'm thinking, yeah, like roles are really about self-objectification. It's really about almost dehumanizing someone and playing out something. And if you're sitting there playing with your kids, but you're kind of watching yourself from an outsider's view playing with your kids and wondering if you're like doing it right, or you're the good mom, or you're, you know, giving a, you know, that actually makes it almost impossible to be present in that relationship. Exactly. This is going to bring everybody back to earth if you can focus on relationship instead of role. And really, and I, to me, it's kind of a fun game. 
In fact, my wife and I were watching uh, one of the Marvel movies with our sons and our, we have an 11 year old daughter, 10 year old daughter, almost mm-hmm. 11. We paused the movie and my wife's awesome. She just said, you know, hey, Mary, do you notice how all the women in this movie don't get to wear as many clothes as the men do? And how most of the women's uh, shirts are unzipped halfway. And what do you think about that? And so my sons are listening. Mm-hmm. Right. So we're talking about this role that superhero women have to play out this role of looking really sexy and dangerous, but the men just get to look dangerous. Right. Right. <laughs> how fair is that? Right. What the heck? You know, how comfortable yeah. is that? So, you know, it's just a, to me, it's I don't know, I call it a game. To me, it's a great challenge just to kind of call these things out when we see them and, and call BS mm-hmm. on them, because I think that these roles are they're just they're not healthy and they're not anything that we ever explicitly agree to. We just sort of buy into them or kind of just absorb them. And it, it's mm-hmm. a great opportunity to really have these conversations with ourselves and with our loved ones. Yeah, I agree. So important. So in the context of betrayal, which this audience, you know, has a real interest in, we're trying to talk about betrayal trauma and and the impact on women who are dealing with this in their relationships. One of the reasons I wanted to talk about this, we've sort of set the groundwork for this, and I I really want to build on this and talk about, okay, so when a woman discovers or a major breach in the relationship, a betrayal where she's in trauma now, and she's trying to figure out what's going on, this decision, right, of like, do I self-neglect? and basically ignore what I need at this moment and just try and save everybody else and versus giving myself some life-sustaining self-care and being able to think clearly and battling those messages about, am I being selfish by taking care of myself? What would you say to a woman who is trying to figure out this balance of taking care of herself when she's just been run over by betrayal versus Mm -hmm. taking care of all these other, again, relationships or roles, however she might see it? So I would say now is the perfect time to practice self-care. Your needs are just as important as everyone else's. And you're actually only responsible to meet your own needs. No one else can meet them for you. I would say take that time right now. That's the time. That's how you get through trauma is through nurturing yourself and actually feeling your feelings and going through it. Right. And there's that pressure of, You know, I guess if a woman's been practicing sort of playing out these roles and not really taking care of herself and believing she has to be there for everyone else, you're saying if there's ever a time to switch directions, it'd be now. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. And and emphasizing that self-care. Those messages are strong, though. Even in trauma, the messages of like, I'm doing this wrong. There's other people that might need me. How does a woman start to quiet that down so she can really give herself that permission? So I talk about a circle of care or think about stewardship. So I encourage women to put themselves in their circle of care. So again, it's Mm. not all about you and it's not all about them. It's about negotiating that balance between. Make sure that you're included in your circle of care and you're not going to neglect the people in your circle of care, including yourself. Are you saying that most women do not put themselves in their circle of care? Yes, many do not. Many put them outside of it. And if there's scraps left, they can have the scrap of time or energy or goals or whatever. But including yourself in the circle of care is really important. And then you have to think about, I always think about what am I modeling for my kids? You're modeling how to take care of yourself and how to work through trauma. So take care of yourself and show them how to do it because they're going to have to go through their own disappointments discouragements, difficult times. And so you're modeling how to take care of yourself through that time. 
And not have to hide that from everybody, including your kids. You know, maybe you don't get into the details of everything that's happened, depending on their age or what they know, but definitely letting them see, oh, mom is really struggling or mom is feeling really sad. And this is what mom does when she's feeling sad. She still takes care of you guys, but she also does this as well. And explain to them, you know, mom and dad are having a really hard time right now and we're really sad. And this is, you know, so you may need to ask, be really clear about what you need because I'm a little bit, you know, not as with it as I usually am and come to me if you need something, you know, (laughs) just let them take responsibility for their need too and to come to you. And so you're not just trying to anticipate everyone else's needs. I love the, the visual of a circle of care, really to validate that she doesn't have to choose, right? This false dichotomy that perhaps culturally is set up where we've talked about women being idealized as you know, unilateral caregivers and they don't have to worry about themselves and the really good ones never think about themselves. Like, but the circle of care is in putting themselves in that circle is really a nice visual of saying the best way to care for everyone is to include caring for yourself and still being able to care for everyone because you're not going to shut that off and nor should you. It is important to care for others, but to get out of these false extremes and Mm -hmm. really kind of stay in this more nuanced, balanced viewpoint, even in trauma, but especially in trauma, right? Yeah. And it's also a really good time to practice asking for help. Yeah. If you feel like, you know, I really can't be there for my kids right now, call in the reinforcements, set up more play dates, ask a friend if your kids can go there after school. So you have a couple more hours to deal with, you know, to process whatever you're going through. It's okay to ask for help. And this is a good time to practice that. Oh, that's excellent. Yeah. And I, and I think one thing that I've seen over and over again, both uh, with my clients and also my personal life, when there's a major disruption, like a major trauma or a major life change like this, it's an opportunity to reexamine rules and even relationships mm-hmm. and just really kind of take inventory on what's working, what's not working. So this is an opportunity really to look at your circle of care and saying, am I a mile away from this circle of care for myself? Do I need to, how do I pull myself in there? What would that look like? Is it too crowded Mm -hmm. uh, with other, other people? So I hope ladies, if you're listening to this and even the men that are listening, you can both do a lot to question, examine, talk about and and really make some adjustments for the better Mm -hmm. um, and use this opportunity because it shatters everything. So you got to pick up the pieces anyway. Right. Right. One thing that that I've often asked women who who have been betrayed is, did this problem with your partner exist before he met you? And most of the time it's yes. Right. Right. Oh yeah. (laughs) And then I, then I remind them, then it can't, this can't be about, you can't be the cause of this because it existed before you existed in his life. So, so don't take it on. Don't take on that shame. Don't take on responsibility for a problem that existed before you. Yeah, that's so true. That's so true. And it, it's interesting, like a lot of, again, if, if a woman has been betrayed and, and she's dealing with all the messages around, I'm not enough, I'm not skinny enough, I'm mm-hmm. not pretty enough, I'm not available enough, whatever, all these messages, especially with pornography, it usually centers around sexually or body image and things like that. Mm-hmm. And, and boy, if there are messages about idealization for women in those areas in 2020, it it's around those and th- those seem oh, to be yeah, yeah. the strongest right now. It makes yeah. you kind of physical. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's, it's not as much. Of, I mean, it, yeah, there's definitely the clean house and some of these other things that have never died out, but, but definitely around bodies and, and sexuality and availability. And so, so a lot of women, I guess what I'm trying to say is a lot of women that I talk to when they discover their husband's been unfaithful to them, 
you know, whether it's with a live person or pornography virtually, whatever, there's this increased sort of pressure on this belief that they now have to really maximize this role and really get this one right because they clearly in their mind failed. Otherwise, he wouldn't have gone this direction. And that's obviously like the biggest lie on the planet. There's, this is not true. Like right. you said, it has nothing to do with them. But what would you say as far as helping a woman kind of quiet down some of that fear and panic around, this is a new role that I've got to emphasize, you know, I'm already failing in all these other areas, but boy, I'm really failing here. How do you start to quiet that down so they can get some perspective on the fact that this is not, you know, their job and it's certainly not their fault? Yeah. So I, I do some psychoeducation at this point, like talking about differentiation of self and not taking on other people's issues and stuff as your own. Yeah. That, that, that you have to kind of parse out. You may have a part in the, the marital dynamic, but you are not the cause of this behavior. That was a choice. And, you know, kind of doing some education about this yeah. is not about you you not being enough, because it likely existed before you. <laughs> and so really helping them see this, this is not about you. And you doing these things isn't going to fix the problem, because it's, the problem isn't sexual, it's emotional. <laughs> the problem is, you know, emotional management, difficulty connecting, whatever, it's not about that you're not enough. And so really educating, I think is a big part of quieting those voices. Yeah, I love that. It's a counter message. It's a new, for many of them, it's a new message and permission to look at it a different way. Mm -hmm. And, and yeah. I think validating too, and saying, you know, this, your response is very common. Um, yes. You know, validating, I think goes a long way. Doesn't mean it's accurate, <laughs> but it's definitely understandable and valid. Yeah. So, I love that. And as I'm thinking about this whole idea of glorifying self-neglect and how it plays into these roles, you know, where, oh, I have to disappear and just focus on being more of whatever, you know, it is in this case, you know, sexually. Are you saying that, I mean, is it fair to say that if you kind of flip the glorifying self-neglect on its head and, and really embrace self-care and, and lean into that and really start to make that a part, does that start to heal in your experience, Julie? Does that start to heal some of that faulty thinking around idealizing womanhood or idealizing motherhood and some of these extremes, is, does the self-care seem to have a, a healing effect on those beliefs? Definitely. Because when you're caring for the self, that is healing. You're, you know, you're recognizing your thoughts and feelings. You're taking time to process. You're taking time to be with meaningful relationships. So that is definitely part of the healing. You know, I was thinking about, you know, where do you start with something like this? And like you're saying, education, understanding, you know, some of the movement, some of the pieces that are in place here, some of the dynamics that are going on and who's responsible for what, you know, leaning into embracing kind of a clear view of yourself, some of these things that you've talked about, and then having that mm -hmm. self-care in there, which is part of feeling your emotions. It's part of slowing down and recognizing your own limits and caring for you, caring for others. Like when all of that starts to balance out, it's almost impossible to idealize these roles, correct? Like it just makes it really hard to get extreme with that. Right. Because you are developing your personhood, your selfhood, and that's not, that's not a role. That's a unique, you know, you're a unique human being. And so that's not going to fit any, any kind of role. I love that. Yeah. It really neutralizes those messages because those are, those are just some general prescribed nonsense that 
is not helping any individual. It doesn't it doesn't respect the individual. And so when you're respecting yourself right. as an individual, it it really is the antithesis of that. It really is is uh, hard to to play out a role. It just will be so incongruent. It just won't feel right. Right. And it just won't be a focus anymore. Yeah. Yeah, I love and that. It, and I've seen a lot of of women when they go through betrayal, they've been trying to play this role and it didn't work. And so it's a great time to go, wait a second, I've got to figure out another way to be because I've been trying to be the best wife and the best mom and the best homemaker and the best, you know, whatever. And it didn't, you know, it didn't prevent something painful from happening. So I've got to figure something out. (laughs) Yeah, I love (laughs) that. Because what I'm doing is not working. Yeah. and And I would just say to the, to the women that are listening as well, be careful and be aware that if if you aren't shifting kind of this role mentality of I have to play out this prescribed role, that can even seep into the way that you try and heal in your own personal recovery. You can start to almost feel like, well, I have to do recovery, right? Like, is there a way I'm supposed to do it and play out some role of maybe doing it the way you see other women doing or the way you've read it in a book? And again, I think the principle here is to slow down and really pay attention to what you need and what's working for you in your relationship. And it may, well, it will look different than other people. There may be some similarities, but but it, this is a sneaky one, right? It can show up everywhere in terms right. of playing out roles. <laughs> right. This perfectionism, mm-hmm. I think, is what you're, you're pointing to. Yeah, and that's a good word. You can try to be the perfect client. You can try to be the perfect, <laughs> but yeah. the, the goal is to be authentic and to be real and to you know, connect with people with a real, real self instead of the the false pretend self. Yeah, yeah, I love that. Yeah, this is not pass fail. This is about you just showing up as yourself and discovering that, and then sharing mm-hmm. it with others. And I, yeah. So, man, Julie, we've covered a lot of ground here. <laughs> we sure have. <laughs> I feel like my brain's kind of smoking right now. So, <laughs> do you uh, do you have any parting thoughts on on this topic in terms of encouragement for women and even even the men who are listening to on on how to really get away from this uh, idealization and, and really kind of settling into this kind of healthier self care? Yeah, yeah. I just I just want to say that you matter. Your needs matter. Your wants matter. Your dreams matter, and they matter just as much as your partner or your children and your job is to model how to be a healthy adult for your for your child. And part of that is modeling how to get through difficult things and how to take care of yourself. And so this is an opportunity to model something really powerful to your family. Yeah, I love that. And what a legacy, right? To pass on a new, a whole new way of doing challenges. And uh, right, I love it. I love it. Thank you so much, Julie, for your time, your wisdom, your enthusiasm about this stuff. It's just so great to engage with you on this. I really appreciate it. Thanks for the invitation, Jeff. You can continue to follow Julie and the amazing work that she's doing on both her websites and social media. You can find her at drjuliehanks.com and she's on Instagram and Facebook and other social media platforms. And you can find her there at Dr. Julie Hanks. And I encourage you to give her a follow and to stay close to her work. She does some great stuff and is very tuned in to a lot of the cultural and societal messages that can sometimes be harmful if we don't look at them and challenge them. And I love the commentary and the support that she offers for people in all stages of healing and just so grateful for her that she would make some time and join us on the Illuminate podcast. 
In my next episode of the podcast, I'm going to introduce you to a very unique family situation that involves a wife who is married to her second husband, but is also best friends with her ex-husband, and her husband is also best friends with her ex-husband. And they are wanting to let people know that divorce and co-parenting does not have to be adversarial. It does not have to be dramatic. And they have got a great message. And so I'm excited to introduce you to them in the next episode. But thank you so much for listening to the Illuminate podcast, for all the great support and ideas and comments. If you find this helpful, please leave a review on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts and spread the word. We want people to get this life-changing information and feel the support that is offered here from our wonderful guests. And I hope everybody's doing well and you're hanging in there with the pandemic and you're taking good care of yourself and your loved ones. And I look forward to joining with you in the next episode. Until then. Until then.